listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations, as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listener discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to follow the girl with no podcast. It's gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 266 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we have got... See, when you live off of cake, donuts, and marzipan for the past couple of days, you kind of need to suck on us. Oh, wait, we're doing the show? I'm, I'm sorry. Hi, everybody, son. We're just, just forget what I said. I that that renders me absolutely speechless. I am Stu Dog. So, let's head straight on to Star Trek Online news. Star Trek Online. Just a reminder, any of you who are wanting to get the Smuggler's Heavy Escort Amory ship in the R&D promotion. You only have a few days left. That finishes on June 15th. So, uh, yeah, get those R&D packs now while you can. So, for those of you who haven't yet been in-game, a bit like myself recently, um, the summer event is now on and will be running until July 20th. And we'll go through some more of the summer stuff in a moment. And next weekend, June 15th to June 19th, there is a shuttle weekend. So, uh, yeah, make sure you put some time aside if you enjoy playing that. So. 20 minute fleet alert. I <laughs> uh, can't remember the last time I had a chance to play that. It's good fun, though. Right. The summer event ship. We got some stats. Um, I haven't had a chance to actually have a look. The day before the summer event patch. 
oh yeah, no, no, no. Tell us about the new ship on Thursday, and then wait until next Wednesday. Oh my god. <laughs> Getting well, the people hyped. <laughs> it gets people thinking, oh, I want that, and they go in tomorrow. It's it's not even it's not even a hype thing. <laughs> it's not even. They they literally posted it on Thursday, and it's like we're not going to tell you shit till Wednesday. Uh, did they have so little faith in this ship? It has nothing to do with hype, because if it was hype, they would have gone. They would have gone. This ship is awesome. Here are all the stats. You are going to want it come Thursday, and have a week for everybody to anticipate going and getting it and, and starting Thursday to get it. Not waiting till Wednesday, kind of like what you see in the news when they want to hush all this weird, crazy crap on a Friday evening because nobody's paying attention. Although I do got to say, the stats for the ship, if you're a healer out there and people get pissed at you for being a healer, now you can piss them off even more and not give a damn. This ship looks to be built like an absolute tank. Uh, the hull strength, which I think stands around about 65k, is unusually high for a ship from an event. Also saw it categorized as an engineering carrier, although most of the carriers in game are generally referred to as being science. Wait, 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 wait. This, this ship has three different levels. Because if this is an engineering ship, you'd expect high hull, especially as some of the... Um, things it's got for Oh no no the no no package. see that's not what I'm that's not what I'm that's not no 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 that's not what I mean. This ship has three levels. You can acquire it at level 40, 50 and 60 and it has separate hull strength stats for each. If you acquire it at level 40 it has 48,750. If you acquire it at level 50 it has 56,063. And if you get it at level 60 it has 65,000 in hull strength. Yes, but it increases with your level. Okay. So it increases with your level as opposed to increasing with the mastery function. Because they've done that with several ships in the past, that depending on what level you buy it at, you've got a hull, and the strength will increase as you go along. So if you are level 40, you have less hull, but then at level 40, you don't need that much hull. The, the stuff that you're doing. I I may disagree, considering I just bought a Wells class for 40 million, put all of the stuff that I had from the fry angle on it, literally the tankiest thing in the world that I have right now, put it on that Wells class, and I'm still falling to pieces with the free upgrade. You know, to tier 5 you. Like, super squish. And they're both science ships. I really think it's a tier 5U thing that makes ships super squishy. That you literally have to mastery them up to get the full benefit of the stats and the hull and the tankiness out of those ships. Or maybe the game's just reached a stage now that 5U isn't, isn't as cool as it was back when it first came out. Oh, no, no, no. See, that's that's not the thing. 
even back in the day when I was running around on my Marauder, my Marauder was taking the crap out of everything. Tier 5U comes along and it's like, no, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm not going to throw it on my Marauder. Then somehow I got my hands on an upgrade token and I went, you know what? I'll give it to my Marauder because, you know, Tier 5U is supposed to be better, right? Same stats, same loadout, same bridge officers dying every five minutes. Well, hell, not even five minutes, every half a minute in a Borg advanced queue until I got to mastery level four, that is. So, yeah, I really think the whole tier five U is kind of just bullshit scheme that makes these tier five ships super squishy until they're masteried up. But then, yeah, it is designed a little bit that way. Depending on the mastery depends on what stats you get anyway, because for a lot of the ships, it... Um, I have noticed that a lot of the stuff you get is like crit chance and um, crit severity um, rather than sort of hull. So it doesn't really make that much of a difference. But yeah, there are some ships that you do notice it and you do get the extra sort of traits. But then that was always the case. You get your ship becomes better the more you use it, which is what they want people doing. I was already using the ship. It was already better. I literally had two traits that made my elite slavers almost unkillable, and then they went and changed the, the, the carrier pits, so they are kind of unkillable now in the first place. I mean, did anybody run the mirror event? How god-awfully annoying were all the mirror universe carrier pits, because you literally just couldn't wipe them all out with fire at will and scatter volley. I didn't have an issue with it. My okay. ship saw them and killed them in one shot. Okay, then. Yeah, I, I guess was just um, following up and torpedo spreading. And I had my elite drone things that were shooting at other stuff as well, and I didn't really have much issues. I don't know. I ran several pickup groups with people who, I guess, didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. And um, having five and six multi-mission Terran escorts, our science explorer ships, a few command ships, all of which can launch carrier pets, and having all of their Danube runabouts like tractoring you constantly and all the kind of it kind of it kind of gets annoying when you can't literally insta pop everything because it's all around you. Oh, I've never experienced any of that. Again, it has got to be just the fact that I run pugs instead of like forcing myself to be with a group of people all the time. No, I did the entire mirror event as a pug. Didn't see him up once. Then Cryptic just hates me, and I have to admit that flat out. <laughs> I must have pugged it at least 110 times, and I only had a few issues with being super swarmed with ships. I did see... Hey, you know, uh, I, I did see one thing in like the last days of the mirror event. Somebody was flying around in the Voth dildo! Lol. I was like, wow! People still fly it! That's so cool! Somebody in the, the, the group goes, fly what? And I go, the Voth dildo! And the person <laughs> in the ship just... The only thing that they typed the entire match was right there and, and then... And just... Because <laughs> <laughs> it's got, like, the little rabbit thing on the bottom of it. And it's like, yeah, you could totally insert that in places. Just, just ask Iconians. That's what she said. Well, that is what I said. Anyway, back to the new ship. 
<laughs> so indeed, it, the Rinkadan class carrier. So it's tier six. You can get it at level forty, although your hull strength will be lower than if you have it at level sixty. Um, it has three four and three aft weapons with four device slots. You've got one Lieutenant Commander Tactical, one Ensign Engineering, one Commander Engineering, one Lieutenant Commander Science, and one Lieutenant Universal Universal slash Temporal Operative. And the consoles, you've got three Tactical, five Engineering, and three Science. So when it comes to Hangar Bays, you have two, and they come with Vorgon, what's that, Ikenix? Echentis. Entis frigates. I'm not now sure how frigates, good they are. They look to have three forward weapons and two aft weapons, which includes a chroniton mine launcher. Yeah, I think I'm using the yellow stones at the moment, elite versions of them, because of course they've got um, tractor beams. Tractor beams. So, do you think they're worth changing, or are these Vorgon ones worth using them instead? Do you think? It kind of makes me wish that the uh, Dyson Science at least had a half of a, you know, a hangar bay. Yeah, to make it on par with the, the Vesta. I I honestly can't really form an opinion about the the frigates without having used them yet. I've always been more of a, a fighter sort of a person from bays rather than frigates. Because I find that frigates used to get shot down quite fast. But I haven't flown any since the the new season drop with the all the buffs that pets had. Oh, it was expensive, but I I like I said before I went the tier five U route. You know, I, I had I had frigate pets. I had literally had the fleet quality elite slavers, and there they were almost constantly at five star because I kept hitting the launch slavers button and suddenly they were immune to everything for five seconds and they got 20 uh, plus 25% uh, damage bonus. And then they got a big, huge boost of healing from um, uh, scramble fighters, which was the trait that I, that I purchased, which was expensive. And then on top of that, they got a secondary health boost because of the repair nanite trait from one of the Breen uh, carriers. So I had kind of these insanely tanky little slavers who were also kind of sort of maybe sometimes stealing stuff. And I have noticed, I have noticed now that the ship crew is gone, guess what? Slaver is still a lot more energy credits now. That's nice. That's handy to know. Well, Alex in chat says the only other engineering carrier seems to be the Obelisk. Yeah, and the only uh, only other specialty secondary deflector, oh right, doesn't exist yet. Because they have made all of these science ships and not made a special secondary deflector? What What's up with that? I like, must admit, I haven't really had a look into... How many reputations have we secondary? had since Dyson? Is there is there a secondary deflector? Is there a specialty secondary deflector for the Delta uh, reputation? Because Voyager, a science ship, 
I don't think there is. Mm, yeah, because Voyager did have two deflectors. Voyager is a science ship. It has two deflectors. It's got the one on top, and then it's got the one where, you know, you, you see it on the normal, you know, ships. Hmm. Yeah, and, it's and like, it's secondary like, deflectors did... on all science ships were implemented in early 2015, which was within the the range of the Delta Rising story arc. Well, well you got to remember they, 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 Cryptic has had this process of, hey guys, here's this thing we're introducing, now we'll put it in the game later, but here's this thing on this ship, because remember Raider flanking? How long did it take for the Birds of Prey to get Raider flanking after the Plek Bresh had it uh, for the winter event? Same with the Avenger class, which was the prototyping for the the four slot command. Click this, and it gives everyone nearby a boosty thing. That and the what was it? The the cruiser with five forward slots and three aft. Yeah, the battle cruiser. I think yeah. that was the Avenger as well. And the at the same time, the Moog. Which is like the last ship I legitimately bought in-game. I haven't even gotten the Tier 6 version because I'm still waiting on a carrier that is Orion, that is, you know, a better Marauder. I mean, hell, I'm still waiting on the first Tier 6 carrier for the Klingons. I mean, at this point, yeah, sure, it's in a lockbox, but even the Romulans have a full carrier now. That is tier six. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, hey, that whole, that whole, this is a PvP faction. These ships will be specifically for such a PvP faction because they are a PvP faction. Well, yeah, that, that excuse kind of dissolved years ago. Well, I don't know, as I said, about the um, hangar pets and... Um, stuff like that, cause I, and the secondary deflectors, because I haven't really used them too much. Well, see, the reason but, I say a reason, well, the reason I said I wish the Dyson had at least you know a carrier, so it was half or a ha- a hanger, so it was half a carrier, is because I'd really like to use some Tetrion hanger pets on a Tetrion built ship. I'm not going to switch out of you know my one Tetrion build ship to switch to a Vorgon ship that I don't like using. I mean, I don't, yeah, no, I don't have this carrier yet, but I'm not going to use a carrier on a Tetrion build, especially a Reman who's built for dual heavy cannons and turrets on a Dyson ship because the thing cloaks. And when, when she comes out for an initial strike, an alpha strike, if you will, she strips everybody's shields off. And because of the weapons she's got on her ship, if those weapons crit, that means any shields that are left are slowly draining due to a shield plasma fire. Crunch. It's like, yeah, that's that's the way I used to operate with her before they changed how the gravimetric torpedoes worked. And honestly, I haven't tested her since they quote-unquote rebuffed those, you know, torpedoes because that was her that was her big thing you know you grab well or you come out of you come out of cloak you instantly grab well you lay down your main fire of all those tetrion weapons their shields are gone on 
every side. You do a singularity jump to shore up the gravity well, then you launch the gravimetric torpedoes, and suddenly they're yo-yoing all over the place and taking damage because of all the, you know, exotic particles going on. Things explode! Well, with the new ship, the new universal console is subphasic defense drone. Um, so, in an attempt to duplicate the effects of the Tox UTAT, powerful device once aggressively sought across time space, um, equipped with a phasic inhibitor which can absorb direct energy, inverting the flow in such a way to um, debilitate attackers' weapons. So, to add this to its utility, the Vorgon also outfit these drones with defenses enhancements to fortify and regenerate the shields of the ship that launches them. So this can be used on any Vorgon ship, and I reckon that you can fit this alongside the console from last year as well. So as well as having these drones, you'd have your harasser drones as well. Ow. I guess lore-wise behind that, uh, the people decided, yeah, let's stop chasing through time after the talks you thought and just build our own. Now... It does say that the console provides a passive boost to shield subsystem power and projectile damage. So, um, so yeah, that's good if you like to use um, torpedoes. Don't tend to get much these days for torpedoes. Thank you for hosting Midnight Shadow 7, Hollow Sweet Media. Now we're broadcasting on the channel we're supposed to be broadcasting on on Twitch. <laughs> yeah, um, seem to have a problem... If I connect to the Holosuite Media channel, it instantly starts dropping hundreds of frames immediately. If I stream to my channel, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, it's nice and clear. <laughs> it's just like, what? But I've set it up so Holosuite will broadcast what I'm doing on my channel. So that way, anyone who does go to there will actually still see it. We had uh, to take a couple of detours. <laughs> yeah. Good old Twitch. Uh, I've checked. All the settings are exactly the same for both connections. I've checked them on through the Twitch dashboard. I've checked it through the broadcasting software. But just... <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's strange. And it's not like there aren't other Holosuite media shows that aren't able to broadcast to the Holosuite Media Twitch channel either. Cryptic hates me, Twitch hates Midnight. <laughs> and everybody hates me. Nobody hates you, we just hate the dog version of you. Or Exactly. Now, when it comes to the frigate pets, um, you've got the standard ones, you've also got advanced and elite versions. Um, standard to advanced, the only difference is that the mind dispersal pattern alpha and suppression barrage are one versus two. Then with elite, they become three. Um, it doesn't change how many beam arrays or banks or launches you have on there. Wait, 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 repeat what you just said? I think I missed something. The abilities for um, those um, pets 
they're the only things that change when you go from standard to advanced to elite. There's no difference between the number of beam arrays or dual beam banks or the mine launcher that you have. They're all the same numbers. So you have oh, two Tetrion right, beam arrays, okay. one Tetrion dual beam bank, one Tetrion beam array, and a Chronoton mine launcher. So yeah, those numbers stay the, other, the same. Yeah, several of the other ships do upgrade in the number of weapons that they have available and the abilities that they have available. Yeah, so this one is just an increase in level for the abilities only. Well, that and that and hull strength and all that kind of stuff as they level up themselves. And Admiralty stat-wise, you've got Engineering, 74, Science, 26, and Tactical, 26. And the special ability with that is plus 8 for any Science or Tactical um, ability per Engineering ship. So, um, I must admit, I did find just over 10 minutes to get in-game yesterday to run the race for the first time. Now, here's the thing. This ship does not say that it has a two-piece console bonus with the the Escort. And it does. No. It does. Ah. Yeah, the so that, Universal so that's Console... Just a, that's just a tooltip issue, then. I must admit, uh, I did wonder no, if no, they... No, 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 that's, that's... As far as I'm supposed... As, as far as I was told, because Timber said this, and I could be wrong, I could have misheard him, but Timber said that there was a set bonus from this console and the uh, the Escort console. There was a two-piece set bonus, but it's not in the blog. Okay. I'll need to go and dig out my ship from last year and have a look at the console and see if there's any information in-game about that one. Again, Timber's usually got, like, advanced insider knowledge on this stuff, and when stuff comes out, he's got stuff that that none of us have known about, and it's like, oh, that's neat. So it may be something that they've had on the ship and then just removed. Well, uh, as far as I can remember, last year there was a big moment where some form of information was on a tooltip that was very hurriedly removed and uh, all sources of this information just vanished. So, uh, yeah, they probably well, just Alec, haven't reinstated that yet. Alex said that he's put some of this in his feedback. Um, and Lucchesi in chat says it wasn't in the blog because it wasn't finalized when it was posted. Wait, wait, so they they hadn't even finished this blog when they posted it. <laughs> the day before the event. Well no, they they finished it. They just it was just there were some extra things which would be added. No, mm-hmm. it was as it stood, it was finished. Mm-hmm. You keep telling yourself that midnight. Well, the thing is, is whether or not they were actually deciding to include a set bonus, because there are some people who complain, I can't get that ship anymore, um, because I wasn't about last year, or I couldn't Hey! Hey! You know, there's a big correction to all that now. It's called the Phoenix Lockbox. Yep. So, yeah, there's going to be those people that complain, but in a year or two's time, guess what's going to show up in the Phoenix lockbox? All of those ships. ships. They might even go wild and just lob it in the sea store and give it to people for free. No. That would be hilarious. Like what they did the other day with the 
the Nandi. Oh, did they? <laughs> no, they did. They actually did that on console when the as the summer event was starting. The console players were able to log in, go to the C store, and claim a free Nandi. <laughs> okay, so. So yeah, we have the summer event, and of course, this ship is the one for PC only. Um, for those of you who are on console, yes, you have the summer event, but the ship we're describing, you won't get until next year. Wah, 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 wah. Well, I guess if it is part of a two-piece thing, then maybe one other reason is to make sure that people can get those ones. I think that was the first tier six ship, wasn't it, last year for the summer event? I think beforehand it'd either been tier five or tier five U. Uh, before that was the Nandi. The Nandi was tier six. Yep. And then before that was the Ryzen ones that were tier five right. slash U. Okay. Because the Ferengi one was, was the dev team literally going, look, we can't keep making Rysian ships. It's not canon, quote unquote, not canon for the Rysians to have all these combat ships. And it's like you literally wrote into your own lore that these were ships built by the Ferengi and modified by the Ferengi for Federation and, and Klingon use as warships. So if it's if it's breaking canon, I don't know how because you've already retconned your own canon into it being a thing. It's like if I built a small raft for my own personal use and then Captain Cisco came along and put lots and lots of guns on it and a couple of engines and took it to fight the Borg. No, 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 no. Not even that. You came to Captain Sisko and said you would like to have a raft. Captain Sisko built you a raft, then took the same design for that raft, added a whole bunch of guns, and then went to fight the Borg. Because that's how the whole Rysian thing started. They went to the Ferengi. He took my raft and called it Defiant. Okay. We had a new roleplay blog that was released, titled Cold Dishes Now. I have not had time to read this, but Sunseal, you have. I thought we had already killed this bastard. Why is he still alive? This RP is all about Mr. Torg. And I don't mean the explodey one from Borderlands. I mean that that traitorous, dishonorable asshole from the Klingon story arc. Essentially, he owns a prison again. You know, like he did on Ruripenthe. Except this prison is filled with all traitors to his version of the Empire. Apparently. I don't know how you make a profit doing that, but whatever. And the whole interaction is between him and his first officer, and about taking over the Klingon Empire, killing Jim Pak, which I don't necessarily disagree with you doing, but I just have a you know problem with it being you. Um... You know, reclaiming his honor, locking up all of these traitors in his prison, even killing and torturing quite a few of them. And yeah, then it then it kind of dissolves into the uh, the first officer goes, hey, you know, there's there's there 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 are murmurs that that, you know, what you're doing here is crazy. And he goes murmurs and he goes, yeah, because they're afraid to challenge you directly. And he goes, they're cowards. Give me a list of names so I'll lock them all up. And it's like, 
Oh, for fuck's sake, Torg. Please. Why don't people just kill their enemies? Why is it, Why do you want to lock them up? Because that's the Klingon thing to do. That is a very Klingon thing for Torg to do. If I thought he it was all about jewels to the death. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait shit. a minute. Let, let me finish. The honorable thing to do is to fight, the, fight your enemy to the death. Torg wants to strip everyone around him that doesn't follow his way of their honor. So he captures them and then puts them in their cell for the rest of their life. Bam! Instant dishonor, instant going to Grethor. Ah, uh, uh, yes, of course. The dishonorable death in custody sort of thing, like Maltz from Star Trek Three, Or Worf's parents in the Romulan colony thing. Now, as I said, I haven't read this blog but and I can't even remember who he is to be honest. So my, f- I've got two questions. One, did we actually kill this guy, or did, was it just made to look like we killed this guy? And the other question is, could this blog actually be a prequel to the mission in question? It seems like it is definitely a setup for something down the road. That's that is for sure. The thing is, in the new storyline. Spoilers, if you've not played the Klingon story arc, this is quite literally the tutorial stuff. He's a dishonorable Klingon, because of course he is. How tropey is that shit? In any case, he's a dishonorable Klingon. His dishonor is exposed to the High Council. The High Council discommendates him. He kills Alexander. You know, because that whole previous storyline of Alexander growing up to become a warrior is because his father died. Right? This is the fulfillment of that story. Well, he takes Torg's, the blade that was meant for Worf. Right. So, so Torg is discommendated. You get promoted. You get a new ship at level 10. Well, guess what? You want to go and test your metal with this new ship. And guess who shows up? Torg! The house of Torg literally comes and attacks you in Test of Metal. And as far as I remember, that was supposed to be the remnants, the last remnants of the Torg house. And you blow them all up. You blow them away. How the hell is he still there if that was supposed to be the last remnants of Torg? Unless it is the last remnants of his people that left him. If he was that dishonorable, he could have been not there. Well, no, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, w- I wouldn't even understand that in the first place because the blog right there says, hey, we accepted discommendation with you and we followed you. And it's like, how are you all here? Didn't you all come and try to kill me in a test of metal? Well, we may have just assumed it was the last. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been a while since I've played the Klingon arc, uh, so yeah, I couldn't even remember the name. It's just like it looked familiar, but it's just like yeah, I can't remember who that is, and <laughs> didn't even have time to Google it. <laughs> I'll have to go back to my Klingon replay and continue on with that to kind of get the story back in my head again. So, and we also had. Lion, Ryan Levitt, content designer for Cryptic Studios, um, who had an interview with Priority One. So um, we'll have links in our show notes if you'd like to go and take a listen. So um, 
there's also been a new release by Cryptic Studios. Um, I haven't really read much into this um, new game. Have either of you two? So from the sounds of this, in dealing with Star Trek and CBS, Cryptic have sort of became experts at, experts at dealing with how to how to deal with large franchises and licenses and essentially... Navigating the IP climate in an MMO environment. There you go. That's what you need to say. Yeah. Essentially, Cryptic decided that they had a big, huge pair of balls and said, hey, Wizards of the Coast, we want to make a Magic the Gathering MMO. Wizards of the Coast looked at what they had with Star Trek Online and Neverwinter and said, okay, cool. Here. Here's a license. But yeah, this game is called... um... Magic the Gathering, is that Which correct? Is, yeah, Magic, colon, the Gathering. Which Same is a massive card, game. card gaming franchise. Because so, I've never heard of it. Okay, here's the thing. Where have you been? Here's the thing. Okay, I I, no, 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 The only no, no, card no. games I, I tend to play are Crib, and on the odd occasion, well, Shit, I've not even done that for a very long time, but poker. But, well, you're Scottish, so Scubby <laughs> no, Queen. no. Here's the thing, Stu. I completely understand how he doesn't know about Magic the Gathering, and that's cool. What I'm going to say is, you know, that there's like this drug problem around the world, right? If you get anybody, anybody who is even remotely a geek hooked on Magic the Gathering, they will never be able to buy drugs ever again because they'll be spending all of that money on Magic. Well, well this game strikes me as being like... Hearthstone? I think a really weird mix of Pokemon trading card game, of the Yu-Gi-Oh! trading card game, of Hearthstone, and all of it muddled together and way more complicated. So is it's this... like Top Trumps times a million. <laughs> yeah. So is this game something to play on mobiles? The one that Cryptic is making is an MMO. Yes, but you can get... There is a trading card game version that I think is for both Steam and mobile, but I'm not entirely sure. I think there is. I know there's one on Steam. I'm not sure if there's one on mobile. Okay. But no, I'd be interested to know if this was going to be mobile, a version of it for mobile, because, well, I suppose it goes, if that works, they have then the skills to do that in Cryptic Studios rather than Perfect World they may have another look at expanding to mobile I know it's extremely unlikely but um, just a thought Um, but at the moment I know Cryptic don't actually have a license to actually go to mobile with the game but still if they could do a mobile app maybe another well, it's not something that... Well, see, that, that's the confusing part. Okay, Magic the Gathering has all of these books. And these books have a whole bunch of lore for each new expansion of the card universe, which is cool. The problem comes, each new expansion of the card universe is set in a different part of a huge freaking multiverse. Kind of like with the Blizzard stuff and WoW and Diablo and all that kind of stuff. It is a huge multiverse of itself in magic the question the first question 
is what part of the multiverse is it set in? And then the second question is, how are you even going to tackle the fact that you're making an MMO out of a card game when the only real lore is one or two books for an entire part of a multiverse? I mean, I'm not saying Cryptic is biting off more than they can chew. I'm just saying Cryptic is kind of biting off more than they can chew. At least with Star Trek, you have this huge, rich history of, like, even a certain timeline having happened, and then you can build upon it with what the hell ever. You can do the same thing with Neverwinter. With magic? If you want to go back to, like, the first Guild Factions version to make your MMO, you've got, like, one or two books on the entire setup of the rules that are going on in that universe in the first place. Not to mention, you know, you're going to have to, you're literally going to have to create all of these different reasons for different things that weren't ever explained in those books. Well, I suppose that gives them more or control and on their creative ideas on where they go with it, maybe. Maybe, but it means that every single piece of information Cryptic creates literally has to filter through Wizards so that Wizards can okay it or not. It depends on the license they've got. They may have already agreed certain liberties they can take with creating stuff. Which again makes me ask, where in the magic multiverse is this even set to begin with? I can see I can see a I can see quite a few, but not not the whole gamut, you know? I can see like the the factions era. I can't remember what that expansion was called, but yeah, I can see like the factions era or the first version of the new uh, the newer planeswalkers. Yeah, I can totally see those, those, you know, those eras being an MMO if there was the lore there to support it. But I just don't think there's enough lore there to support it unless, you know, Cryptic is given the permission to create it. Well, as I said, I don't know enough about it. But, um, as I said, it sound, if it's based on a card game, it did sound a little bit more like, um, um, something that could and would be on a mobile rather than computer. Um, so, um, yeah, it's just like, well, if that is the case, then maybe um, it is something they can then use for their other games. Now, I know the gateway has gone, and this could be another reason why the gateway went. They can't get Perfect World to finish off that stuff, so they're having people in-house deal with it for this new game, and maybe they could create what they originally wanted for the gateway in a new app if they got a license to do something for the mobile. Oh, you just keep eating that Sky Pie Midnight. Just go right ahead and keep eating it all you want to. Mama will be here when you come crashing down. I know. I'm just saying it's always just a possibility, even though it's an extremely slim one. <laughs> so, but no, it's just if you look at the timings, Gateway's cancelled. Several weeks later, we get a card game that sounds like no, it no, no, could no, be, no, 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 no,
Gateway was removed officially. It had been declared canceled, unsupported, and what have you for the better part of a year now. It was just finally removed from circulation. Yes, because it, that responsibility for that stuff did not lie with Cryptic Studios. That lay with Perfect World. Right, so, which means... Now which means... Cryptic Studios are having a team develop a card game, and if that is for mobile, that no, gives... No, they, they're not developing... A, you're not paying attention, but not, they're not developing a card game. They're developing a massive multiplayer online game based on a card game. They're building an RPG based on a card game. I didn't see anywhere in that report that said it was an RPG. That's literally what every business report has said. Ah, I was I was thinking it was going to be a card game like no! Hearthstone. That's why no, I no, said no, Hearthstone. No, 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 the, Even even the massively OP article says it's an MMO RPG. As an aside, when the hell did D'Angelo get promoted to being the CEO of Cryptic? I thought all this talk about Steven D'Angelo back when he was EP was that he was a systems guy, not a I-can-run-the-company guy. Maybe they just got his job title wrong. Maybe they sent him to a course. Ah, well, no, because we had this discussion in our chat, and was it Zombie? who went and dug in all the business files, and apparently D'Angelo was hired as the CEO of Cryptic Studios in January. And this interview is with Steven D'Angelo about how they have huge balls for dicking around with IP because, you know, Star Trek Online and Neverwinter. I must admit, I haven't been following. Um, Alex says, um, I think he got promoted when Jank Emirate left to head up DCUO. At he thinks it's Daybreak. DC Universe Online at Daybreak Studios. Possibly. Still, though, I don't understand why you take, quote-unquote, a systems guy and make him run everything. Because he's a systems guy. Oh, just because someone is a systems guy doesn't mean they have other skills. That's, that's not my point. M my point is that, yeah, even even though... I, even though I myself personally have derided D'Angelo for his time as EP, I can't deny the fact that he put in some systems in place that have been very well received since their initial implementation. Again, as EP, he was still doing systems stuff. As CEO, he's not just... He's not... He doesn't have his fingers in a game as CEO. He has his fingers in the entire company. And I don't see how being a systems guy in regards to how a game works translates to him fixing a company, making a company efficient in any way, shape, or form. Because a company itself runs completely different than the coding and scripting of a game. Still doesn't mean that he's not up to the job. Yeah, he could have went to uni or like business college, learned whatever, and decided to come back as the head. And they're just like, oh yeah, you've got like lots of diplomas and qualifications now. Totally, here, have the job. See, that, and that's fine. I would really like to have you. I started off washing dishes, then I became a chef. You know, just maybe it's like that. I, I, mean, I don't look, know. I don't know how these companies work, 
but that's I would, the gist I, I would, get. I wouldn't be. I would not be against him coming on and us talking about it because that's. I mean, I'm not like shaming him for being CEO. I just don't understand him stepping into the position. Okay. Well, let's head over to console news. Star Trek Online Console News. PlayStation 4 and Xbox One now have Season 13. That was released on the 6th of June. So, at the time of broadcast, you've had it for six days now. Because it always lands on a Tuesday. Everything happens on a Tuesday. So, um, with that, um, Captain's that sign in um, for the first week would be able to get an XP boost, which would take Captain's from level 50 to 60. Um, If you're over level 50, the XP boost will roll over into specialization points. an XP boost trait that gives you an XP bonus XP until you reach 60. A gearbox that will grant you um, gear every 10 levels from the levels 10 to 50. And the tier 6 Ferengi Nandi warship. Hey, didn't we say that was a thing that they were giving away free? So yeah, it looks like that was actually something they were giving away free for um, just logging in for the first week. Because, yeah, that, as you guys said, because I'd forgotten about that ship when I asked about the tier sixes, um, yeah, the Nandi, obviously, they're not going back far enough for them. So, what they've done is the first one, they're just offering to people who sign in um, within the first week to try it all out. Um, also, you've got the privateer lockbox that has now been added. So that'll give you the raiders, isn't it? Yes, so there's the Husnock ship, which I believe is available in the Lobi store, and yep. the Miradorn raider, which you might get from opening a box. As well as that, there's a couple of interesting uh, kit gems which include the, the Minos Echo Papa, Echo Papa 607s. Love that little thing. Yes, that is a very handy thing that shows up to help you up out in combat. And it's got a very low cooldown downtime as well. So if you are beaming down security teams and you've got your the thing that calls two duplicates of yourself and all that, you can have quite a posse with you when you're just breezing through single-player content. There's also a drone that creates a holographic replica of Ardra that can debilitate your enemies as well. And there's a list of different traits available, none of which I've tried. Okay. Um, the featured episode that comes with season 13 is Mirrors and Smoke. So for the first um, three weeks, four weeks, um, yeah, it's four, isn't it? Um, you get yes. a special reward. Um, so 
each time unlocks a different bit of kit as well. So the first week's reward will be the Kantari Fortified Combat Armor. And with that, for playing it the first time through, you can also get an enhanced universal tech upgrade or a captain specialization point box. You know, what's uh, funny here is that Mirrors and Smoke is the quote-unquote new episode, and to be honest, uh, no. You know, the console is getting two new episodes, and only one of the them time. is... Is and only one of them at this point is is um, uh, feature locked. So does that mean you could sit there and play the episode Survivor and then wait thirty minutes and then play it again and just get all the stuff in a single day? I'm guessing so. We saw something similar with the first two missions of the Iconian War when that came out. It was the first mission where you had to go to Romulus, which had the three items that you needed to roll every couple of well every week to get the item and then the second mission which was out at the same time delta flight didn't have that feature items are protected until next week thing with it so it looks like this is only going to affect that one mission Mm. Uh, of course the other new episode is survivor which will go into the new frontiers journal so um Both those missions um, are level 60, um, but during the featured episode, um, captains can play it from level 10 and higher. It's it's just a little... It's nice. It's a nice set from Survivor. This this Romulan covert art set, it's nice. It's just... It feels a little weird having Sela run around in a quote-unquote... Romulan Covert Ops set with a Polaron pistol. Does does that seem weird to anybody else? Just me? Just you. <laughs> I was thinking it was maybe developed in conjunction with the Jem'Hadar. They were they were pals for a bit. I never got that. I, I, that that honestly never came across my mind in any capacity when Sela went to the Gamma Quadrant. Because if you know anything about the Dominion, somebody showing up on your doorstep is kind of a pull-all-the-guns-out moment. I wholly expected that that Sela would be crafty enough to somehow convince the Dominion that they needed to be involved in the Iconian Warfight. But I have... No idea how the Jim'Hadar and the Dominion would co-venture an R&D with Sela to make a single covert opset. Because, again, the Romulans already have cloaking technology. Why would they need the Dominion's non-cloaking technology of the Jim'Hadar? Or the or the or well, I say non-cloaking, the the cloaking technology of the Jem'Hadar themselves. I don't understand why the the Romulans can do that already. Anyway, they have tech to do that. Yeah, but the um, Romulan um, cloaking tech could be detected by the Jem'Hadar, so it wasn't the best. Thing is, the last we saw Sela before that was in some. 
dodgy Iconian facility somewhere, and she went running through a gate with, well, I, I don't think she was lugging a cloaking device or anything like that with her. She obviously ended up in the Gamma Quadrant somehow and might have thought, I need a, I need a gun, guys. Eh? Can you sort us out with something? Just give us some tech and I'll build my own. And she constructed her own gear at some Dominion facility. This is the part that confuses me. There is not like a... There's not. I better time. not give uh, ideas like that or someone might write a blog. There, there is no set timeline with what the fuck actually happened to Sela. Like we see her get captured by the Iconians, which I will be one hundred percent honest with everybody here, including the dev team. I kind of preferred the pre-Herald Iconian ships, you know, with the, the with with the black spiny things and then the purple smoke coming off them. Kind of preferred that as a hey, these are the big bad guys ship. But yeah, she gets captured. We don't know whether it's to safety her or to to torture her. Well, we later find out it yeah, we did we yeah, we kinda it is kind of this torture thing. Okay. She escapes. We destroy this this Alachi base in subspace. Then she shows up again. Because she's trying to fiddle around with all the Iconian shit that's going on. She's not in the Gamma Quadrant yet. Like the, 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 the timeline is really weird around Sela, depending on which faction you're playing. Because it's everywhere at the uh, same the, time. The mission after the one where you find her in the Delta Quadrant, she's escaped for the jail. She's done something with Gaius Salon's head. And she logs you off to an Iconian facility. Where uh, the Iconians right, but that's not decide the they that's, want to end you, and then she not disappears. She that's runs through a gateway somewhere and ends up in the Gamma Quadrant and recruits the Gem Hadar. And there's a big listy thing of all her logs, which for some reason are on Deep Space Nine, and it details all this. <sighs> anyway, as part of this season release, um, the consoles now have the war game scenarios. So, Binet Circuitry has been released, as well as the competitive war game reputation. Notice um, that both for PC and console, n- neither uh, platform will have the competitive war game marks for the uh, summer event. At least for at least for half of the summer event. That's because that's how Cryptic operates. Well, yeah, because otherwise people don't play the new content. Um, the other queue that's released is Core Assault queue, uh, as well as the Binary Circuit queue. Um, I think I missed that one. Um, with that has also been the space balance changes that the PC had. And they've also added a free skill respect token to all characters when they log in. Because of the space changes. Yep. So, um, I think they're the biggest things um it is quite extensive because it is of course the season update so um yeah we will have the link in our show notes for you to check that out should you wish okay um yes we should head over to combat log 
combat log. Uh, this week, combat log. I just have a little bit of information regarding YouTube videos for Risa and the various different events they're in. Uh, Fred Kasdan has produced a video detailing some of the the events there, which are the older events that are existing, as well as the the new biathlon event and the Brent Justice Channel, who is a brilliant source of Stowe information. He's also produced uh, an hour-long video showing all of the, the different events in swing as well. Uh, uh, Tipperwolf made one too. Yes, uh, that I did not know until Alex told us in the chat. I know because I've been seeing it stare at me in the face for the past three days every time I open up YouTube. And you didn't put it in the show notes? Be because I've been asleep. Again, <laughs> running on cake donuts and marzipan the past couple of days. There's there's only there's only one equal and opposite reaction to a sugar high. Falling asleep. I don't know, I just feed my body with coffee and it seems to get on fine. Uh, do what you got to, right? Coffee, coffee, coffee. Uh, yeah, the videos. Essentially yes, all of these I have the links here and the, I will the, the summer the show does. I apologize for talking over you, Stu. It's fine. So we'll include Timberwolf's uh, link as well. Um, so, yeah, it was Fred Caston and who else did you say you got a video from? Brent Justice has produced a video on the event on his channel as well. Okay. So, um, yep, we'll include those in our post. Okay. Let's head into Star Trek Timelines. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek Timelines. Did someone say gay? You seem to find this all very amusing. Yes, yes, I do find it all amusing. So, at the moment, we've got an event called Ship of Memory. Um... Basically, it's involving the Krenum. So this is a galaxy event. It started on the 8th of June, and Phase 1 ended yesterday, which was the 10th of June, and the event finishes on Monday the 12th. Um, Squadrons are allowed, but was that just for Phase 1, I wonder? Because I don't recall seeing any... I know that's crew sharing is no, so yeah. Um, so event crew, you've got Benny Russell, a new five-star legendary character. You've got Marla McGivers, which is a new four-star super rare. And you've got Vedic Barail and Toss, um, which is another four-star super rare. And in the threshold, threshold rewards... You can get Promoted Cisco, which is the existing two-star, and Marla McGivers. And then for the ranked rewards, you can get Writer Jake Cisco, which is an existing three-star. Vedic Barail, Antos, which is the new four-star. And Benny Russell, which is the new five-star legendary. So the community rewards in order at 
300 million, you get Vedic Burial. At 600 million, you get Marla McGivens. Um, I signed in and got both of those, so I guess that was actually picked up. And at 1,000 million, 1 million, then you've got a 10-pack premium. Um, other changes that have been applied to Star Trek timelines is the Saturday Advanced Cadet Challenges have had their loot updated to what they're saying is the correct values. Oh, it's about time. Damn. So let it go the, a whole week. <laughs> these challenges provide credits for their normal completion and provide other items like honor, premium, and supply kits for rare rewards. For people who have already completed the Saturday Rare Rewards, we'll update you in a forum post about how we're going to resolve your situation. Some crew had flavor text that was meant for different crew that have been updated. The crew should now either have the correct flavor text or none at all. And they'll be slowly adding more flavor text to crew in future builds. Mmm, flavor text. Takes me back to my Magic the Gathering days. And they've also updated the time portal. Premium and standard packs should now contain the limited time and event crew up to February 2017. They've correctly made Cassidy Yates a human with the human trait. And Carol Marcus may be used in the Saturday Cadet Challenge. So, those... Wait, wait, wait. Was Cassidy Yates not a human? Obviously not. Oh. Damned changelings. Hey. Kind of thought she was a human on a human colony just out in space. Oh, no, she is. But just her attributes didn't include her as being human which is probably okay so they've just updated it so um she now has that so so somebody was being sneaky and was using cassidy yates in some challenge with her being human and not alien for one of the alien challenges maybe um new crew have been added um you've got yannick um fully fused at level 100 um you've got command at 896 diplomacy at 507 and science at 1004 yannick you know that really seductive instrumental artist known yeah. galaxy wide and if oh, wait, it's not I'm thinking yanni and if you just have one of the characters at level 100 then it's almost half that um command is 448 um compared to fully fused at 896 diplomacy is 282 compared to 507 and science is 614 compared to 1004 and the traits you get are excalibian 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 um, but crafty, exobiology, quantum mechanics, telepath, explorer, and shapeshifter. Um, we've also been told about Guinan entering the gauntlet. So the legendary Guinan is now in Star Trek timelines. So <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna pull out her firework launcher. <laughs> 
That was setting one. Would you like to see setting two? So you can well, get. Well, if 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 setting one is indoor antimatter fireworks, kind of don't mind seeing what setting two would do. Maybe we get confetti. So, um, bartending Guinan at fully fused and fully equipped. Um, her diplomacy is at 944. Her security is 528. And the other trait is medical at 811. Um, if See, I told you, you, she pulls out that phaser and shit goes down, man. Shit just goes down. If you have one bartender Guinan fully equipped rather than all five for fully fused, then your diplomacy is 592 compared to fully fused at 944. Security is 303 compared to fully fused at 528. And medical is 363 compared to medical at fully fused, which is 811. And of course, the traits are communicator, counselor, marksman, empath, bartender, and allurian. So, that's everything that's new for Star Trek Timelines. Um, one thing, I can't remember if we mentioned last week or not, um, Star Trek Timelines is going on to stream, and they have got Steam. it in... What did I say? You said stream. Sorry. Um, yes, Steam. Yeah, what have I been doing recently that I've got streams? Oh, yeah, I've been um, reading the... Um, Voyager novels by Kirsten Beyer and um, Aliens of the First Quadrant use streams, is what they call it. So <laughs> that's where I've probably got streams from. So yeah, um, for people who run Steam, um, Timelines um, are doing beta testing. They did send out some invites. I actually clicked on my email too late to get my code, but fortunately I was able to get a code from somebody else. So thank you, Janet, from the GNT show. Um, so I got that installed and um, I had a quick go. Um, apart from some lag that I experienced and um, things seem to run okay. Um, as usual, it's annoying. You get a new device, you can't simply, as soon as you launch it, say that you want to connect up an existing account. Um, you've got to go right through the tutorial still. So that is still pretty annoying. Um, but once it was connected, everything seemed to work okay. Um, did notice, as I mentioned, some lag. Again, this is just in beta. But I think the biggest problem that I've noticed so far is it's continuously full screen. You have no option to put it into a window. As with a lot of games, if you use the Alt and Enter key, it should actually force it into a window. So um, I actually did that and it worked. Um, but hopefully they make it that you can just window the application um, itself. I've been noticing this a lot with uh, a lot of Steam things, is that if you right-click on things, there's like a command line where you can type in a windowed command, but it doesn't seem to work with a lot of things. So, um, so yeah, that, that was the biggest problem for me uh, 
was the, the windowing thing because I wanted to um, get a few things sorted um, while at least getting the game connected. But um, yeah, it's just like, okay, so tried a few sort of old tricks and yeah, alt enter worked. So um, only thing is just like with your mobile phone, if you put it in the background, it tends to sort of pause the play. Um, didn't always do it when it came to the desktop version um, because unlike it hasn't got the same controls to determine if it, something's actually in the foreground. Um, but yeah, it was good. And I know when it does roll out properly, it means I can get my son connected as I haven't rebuilt my wife's old phone for him to use to play Timeline. So he hasn't actually played it in a, a few months, even though he keeps nagging me to... You dismantled your wife's old phone? No, no, no. I just need to wipe it and rebuild the operating system and everything else. Um, Because I gave her my old phone, which she had been using. So she finally got fed up of her phone being so slow. (laughs) Ah. So it's just just like, well, I had said for like a year (laughs) to use this one. (laughs) But um, yeah, finally got her to do that. But no, so far, um, it seems to work quite well. So... um, that's pretty good. So it also means that if we want to try and live stream it, it will be an awful lot easier than trying to get it working in some sort of virtualization, which never tended to work. Um, that was always a bit of a nightmare trying to do that when we tried it previously. You know what I'm really liking about timelines right now? What's that? The itty bitty quality of life change. Getting a critical success during a rare reward section of a mission now grants that rare reward instead of a chance of that rare reward. Wasn't that one of the changes last week? Yeah, but see, yeah. I've not like play played any of the missions that, that were like that right. until now. Okay. So, um... So yeah, um, look out for updates. We'll let you know when it does go on Steam. Um, Alex says, once upon a time, I was waiting for a standalone Timelines client. That time has passed. Timelines, people can eat my shorts. So um, let you know you want to play it, Alex. (laughs) Judging from his attempting to wipe out their headquarters with the Krenum weapon ship, I don't think he likes it very much. Yeah, well, I'm not sure if you've actually given it a try, Alex. But yeah, have a go. See what you think. So I know sometimes I get a bit fed up with it. It's just like, oh, it's not got enough this, not got enough that. But it's one of those things, as I said before, I'm not really one for playing mobile games. But I still keep going in. So You know what's really frustrating? When you have one of those things on a mission that is actually locked by a certain trait, and you have a character that should have that trait, but doesn't have that trait, you know, like how the frozen Odo guy is still technically Constable Odo, but he doesn't have the Constable trait, so you can't use him on a mission where Constable is a thing. Well, they only have a certain amount of traits for each character at each level, so they've obviously picked ones for that particular character. 
this is the purple frozen Odo guy, the one with the jacket. I own one of those. Yeah, yeah. I think he's this... categorized as being a changeling as well, even though he's a human. Well, no, no, no. Well, yeah, because when yes, he yes, was yes. frozen, he was human. Yeah. Yeah, like God. he broke his leg and all that. Mm, so, see, timelines, you still have some work to do. Hey, at least Cassidy Yates is human now. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> still, though, I. Uh, it's weird. It's really weird, because I'd kind of expect him to still be Constable Odo. He's still the head of security for Deep Space Nine. But at the time, he was stranded, so he wasn't actually security. He was just trying to survive. He was was still technically security. Uh, He was escorting Worf on his way to the court. No, he was escorting escorting Quark Quark, on his way to court against the Orion Syndicate. But of course, he didn't know that. So he was technically still head of security at the time, even when he was surviving. He wasn't a changeling, though. He was a human. So no, no, that. but what I mean is they only assigned so many traits to each character. So that would probably be one of the last ones they would assign to him, which might be why it wasn't done was the point I was trying to make. Because technically he couldn't really do any constable jobs or responsibilities because at that particular time they were just surviving that he didn't have a brig um he didn't have an office he didn't have anything they were just trying to survive so the 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 trait conventions for these characters is weird anyway because the mirror universe flux has five traits the survivalist odo only has four they're both the same quality, purple. Mm. Uh, but I would guess the older one would have less because, I don't know, tech at the time they put it in the game. Weren't they about released near the beginning, both together? Can't remember now. But, um, but yeah, it could just be it got forgotten about and missed. Who knows? But yeah, hopefully they'll fix that soon. So. Okay. Well, let's head into community feedback. Community feedback. Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance is futile. So, son, what feedback have we had this week? Give me a moment. The page is loading because timelines is on another tab. <laughs> Do you want me to start off with the community questions? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Ask the the community questions from last week. Community question number one. What are you most looking forward to in this year's Star Trek Online summer event? So Alex Wonder replied to us in the Stowe forums. I've got it. I'm not sure. I mentioned before that I get the event ships anyway, even if I don't like them. Just because they or their trait might become useful at some point in the future. Alex, I agree with that. I do very much the same thing. The pets. If we get pet storage, and there was nothing on Tribble and no mention of pet storage so far, yay, pets. Since it doesn't look like pet storage is coming anytime soon, dear art team, you're doing an amazing job, but I won't acquire what you've been working on, because this systems team seems to believe that there's more bang for the buck to be had elsewhere. Sorry about that. The metrics might show that I dislike your work, but the truth 
is that you are not the problem. Uh, the new biathlon. Let's see what that's all about. Apart from that, I logged into the game to see how many Lolanat favors I got. And I got 30 stacks of 999 favors each. It doesn't look like I get a lot of stuff to burn them on. Oh well. So I guess my answer is the biathlon. Shrug. Um, pro tip for anybody who's running around on Risa right now, even when the remastered version of this gets released, don't buy your clothing from the clothing seller on Risa. Buy, buy your clothing from the event store in your reputation tab. Why? Because some of that clothing is actually cheaper in the event store than it is on Risa. A, t- a whole 250 Lola nuts cheaper. It's um, Ferengi. The, um, the, I can't remember, it's like the Rebel or the Rough or something like that. Uh, outfits for the swimwear are all 500 Lola nut favors in the reputation store while they're 750 if you get them from the vendor on Risa. I also did go to check out the um the uh, uh the training manuals for bridge officers. Yeah. Depending on what level you're buying, they go from about 200 to 750 with the captain's uh kit modules being a thousand apiece. I'll definitely have to look into them. So moving on, we got a response from Chuzwelder Second. It says, besides the ship, not a whole lot, to be honest. The position of two things we've had for so long. After the Klingon ice fishing from last winter, I was expecting something new and refreshing. Perhaps there just wasn't enough time. I'm fully expecting they're putting a lot of effort into the TNG's anniversary. Right? Cryptic? Please? I... There's some... There's some fuckery going on with the biathlon, oddly enough. Um, apparently, you don't have to be at the starting line to join the biathlon. You could be at the finish line to join the biathlon. And so the moment the biathlon starts, you can instantly win the biathlon. I'm not saying that's an exploit, but uh, you get enough people mentioning it in, in zone chat and you're like, hmm, that's odd oh by the way did 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 anybody save a link to those stargates that were supposedly on the 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 test server because i've seen the rings for the biathlon and they're pretty wooden things being held up by floaty rockety bits uh stargates were appearing in photos across one of the facebook groups I can dig the photo out. Oh, I just I just remembered last week we were talking about it, and you guys said that there were stargates circling around somewhere, so... Yeah, uh, someone was putting photos on Facebook, and it was of stargates around about three weeks to a month ago. Hmm, okay. I just, I just, I see the, you know, I, I looked at the... What the rings that you had to fly through for the biathlon were, and they're like these wooden, roundy things that are hovering because jetpacks attached to them. Which seems odd, being that the aesthetic for the other event was holographic things. 
like and, a HUD display. Hey, you know that conversation we had with Zombie and you and me both agreed on the fact that there kind of should be like this little, hey, you know what? We um, we don't need you to capture a flag anymore for the powerboard race or the actual ice race for the winter event. Yeah, we that, that technology is literally already in the game running the floater thing every day. And so the when you pass through the little the, gates, run against the pet thing in the run around the track on the groundy winter event thing. I mean, and 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 I, I understand from a dev's perspective that a dev is going to go, yeah, but those are single player, and the obvious answer is. It doesn't matter if it's single player or multiplayer, even if you're generous and say that if two people cross the line at the same time in which the the server itself is trying to take over who won and you give both of them first place, you still have this whole time gating system you've set up with the whole monkey tags and with the epo tags so that they can't immediately and consistently and constantly get all this reputation money. They just can't do that. I'm sorry. And the whole excuse, but they're not running into content is, well, I'm sorry. The content is kind of the same time and time and time again. If they are running the content and they get first place, guess what? You've already said those are the rewards they get. You can lower the rewards if you feel it's unfair. I mean, you've done it before. You've even raised the rewards with certain things, like the... Um, Lower it in one place and raise it in another to funnel your people towards Well, the, even, even, you know, like in the past couple of summer events, they've raised the amount of lull nuts that have been given out because they increased the prices on a whole bunch of crap. Inflation. It's like when I do the dance party, there's a reason I walk away with 80, lull nut, 80 to 100 lull nuts just from doing the dance party. Because you increased the favors that the thing was giving out. And now I can only do the dance party once every hour and the Horgon hunt, what, once every hour and a half now? Two hours? I don't even know anymore. You can only do the Horgon once every cycle. Meanwhile, that fucking artifact hunt thing, which I will never participate in again, is still there. Twice. Three times, maybe. I haven't been able to look at the whole rotation roster for the event. Because it doesn't show the whole rotation roster. You had this problem with the winter event last year. Yes, I've been seeing people confused as to whether the dance event exists or not. The dance does exist. The, the dance party I know, because I've happen. done it, but a lot of people are like, oh yeah, there's not even a dance event this year, oh my god, ah. I'm just like, oh, there is. Chill, yeah, dude. No, see, that's the thing. Put the tears the, back in your eyes and chill. The, it's the dance party, it's the dance party for one hour, and it's the Horgon hunt for the other, and it's like, and you want people to run four, three and four versions of the artifact hunt? Why? Oh, because nobody ran it last year because they ran it once, ran around for an hour to get the first thing, missed the entire bonus the bonus rewards event, period, and said, fuck it, I'm not doing that again. That was too much of a fucking hassle. I can't even remember where I got up to with that. I don't think I completed it, though. I've still got one more thing to find on the artifact hunt, which, as I'm an accolade hunter, I will no doubt hunt. I only found one thing in... Like, again, after an hour, I said, 
I don't care if there's an accolade associated with this. Screw it. I'm not going to do this. I'm not literally going to torture myself to get a thing that is ultimately useless. Well, I only got a few, if I remember correctly, last year. I thought I'll get the rest this year because I thought hopefully this year I'll have more time. I need a year to recover from that. Like, I mean, literally, no. the, 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 the accolade that you get for finding all of the little treasures isn't even tied into the master accolade, which, because of the new lighting thing, there's been all kinds of timing issues with some of the events going on. You know, like the fireworks at night. It seems like every time I log into Rice, the fireworks are going off. I don't know if that's just me logging in and it doing that because the server is trying to catch up to what time it is on Rice, or if I'm literally just lucky enough to log in on different instances at the exact moment those fireworks are going off. This is your parade time. for landing. They're just like, Sun Seal's here, fireworks. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it's the signal for the, the Rycian assassins to hunt me down because, you know, Cryptic does hate me. I don't yes. think they hate you. I know, Alex, right? Because Lighting 2.0 is the best thing ever, and the players love it. Hey, I don't even have it. Lighting 2.0? Yes, you do. Trust me, you have Lighting 2.0. Even if you've got all your settings turned down back to the original, you're still dealing with new lighting. That was... <laughs> See, that's the thing. The whole point of lighting was so that they could fudge that they didn't have HD textures and all this stuff for the console. So that they could have the look of having HD everything for the console so that they could get their systems onto those consoles. Now, don't let anybody tell that to Microsoft or Sony, or guess what? Star Trek Online might just find itself kicked off those platforms because it's not HD. So, but shall what we move do on I to our know? next questions? I will take your silence as a yes. Well, there is no two. There is no community question feedback for two and three. However, for question four, will you be playing Star Trek Bridge Crew? Alex Wonder on the Stow forums replied, Like I mentioned before, my PC can't even handle Overwatch, and I want to play that game so badly, even though I really don't like shooters. So no Bridge Crew for me. But hey, even when I managed to scrape together the money to get myself a new... Reasonably powerful PC. I don't think getting all this VR equipment for a single game is sensible. Maybe in 10 years when VR equipment becomes more affordable. And Bridge Crew 2 or 3 lets us man stations on the Enterprise E or the Defiant. I might give it a try then. When you have a more reasonably powerful PC, give me, give me your Blizzard name, Alex. I will play Overwatch with you. Joseph Elder Second replied... I don't own VR or a PS4 or have an uber-powerful PC, and I tend not to buy entire consoles plus their peripherals just for one or two games. I'll save up slowly for that PS4 eventually, whenever the Final Fantasy VII remake comes out, unless it comes out for the Switch, in which case I'll most likely save up for that instead. However, I will most likely pass on the VR. I'm not going to pay for VR just to play one game that I only have a slight interest in, because yeah, as of right now, there's nothing VR related for that I'm gushing for. That Star Wars Battlefront X-Wing thing came quite close, but that wasn't a full game. I spent hours of hours playing the Rogue Squadron games on the N64 and GameCube, 
So Star Wars dogfighting is the first thing that entered my mind when I heard that VR was coming. Despite that, I'm still patient enough to wait decades for VR to stop being this hot new premium item. I really Bye. wish Kason Moore was in the extended universe. I loved her in the original Rogue Squadron. Buy a PS4 for Final Fantasy VII Remake, along with other games I've had my eye on? Sure. Pay the price of two game consoles or more for the bridge crew? No thanks. Now, this isn't an issue with the online multiplayer, but if you want to play locally with friends or family, you need to have more headsets. It's like buying an extra console for each person who wants to join in. The cash starts to really pile up if you want others to join in on the fun. Local couch play appeals to me more than online, but it's not really worth it at this price range. I tend to agree. I 100 think, bucks just to get a free game? Nah. I think, yet again, VR is just... It's going to be another passing fad, as it has been in the 70s, and then the 80s, and then again in the 90s. Oh now God, it's done its returning boy. thing. <laughs> oh my god, that was headache-inducing. And I was a kid. Did, did, did you know that did you know that Nintendo had a VR console? Yes, I saw it. Gave oh me headaches god, as well. It's, it's, that red screen <laughs> nightmare. with the black lines on it is just like no, disgusting no, 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 no. anti-copy paper style. It was a red screen. It was a dark red screen with bright red lines. And people wonder and people wonder why I say Skype literally physically makes me ill. Well there's there's this thing that goes on with my eyes when you're when you're monochroming colors that way, my eyes can't cope and I physically start to get ill. I can't look at anything on Skype because the mixture of blues makes me ill. Virtual boy, I actually threw up playing at one point. <laughs> I guess that's that's you guys' TMI for the week. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Alex is going to play Overwatch with me when he can fit a new PC into his budget. Yay! So moving on to general feedback. Alex Wonder replied on the Stowe forums, Well, hello there, Tribbles. Feedback. That cosplay NPC. Okay, where do I begin? I get when the dev teams put NPCs into their games that are named and are modelled after themselves or their main characters or avatars, like how Federation President Okeg is clearly Gecko spelt backwards. Note, I didn't even notice that one. Wow. Uh, you can wow. call that vain, <laughs> but I actually don't have an issue with that. It happens all the time, so I won't rain on their parade. I'll save that for an email. I did know that Thomas the Cryptic Cat is in-game walking about Club 47 and is the, like, in-game captain of the Pathfinder and other characters on Starbase are, like, the devs from the game and stuff, but I didn't even realize that Gecko was president of the Federation. Then we have dev teams who like to put pop culture references into their games because it's fun. Like when Blizzard put an NPC called Harris Pilton into WoW and had her sell some sort of luxury items. Do remember several years ago, Yoda was a small green Ferengi that was giving out funky glowing batleths. Maybe I shouldn't say things like that that might go into uh, copywriting realms, but yeah. Then you have NPCs who are named after devs 
and or family members or friends who have died or NPCs who are named or modeled after players and or their main characters who have died. There's a lot of pick and choose involved and not everybody gets an NPC, but as long as it's done tastefully, I don't have an issue with that. Cryptic has refused to memorialize players like that and directed people towards the Eternal Flame on Starfleet Academy. That reminds me, do Klingons and Romulans have their own Eternal Flame somewhere? That has maybe... No, not really. That has been put there after Mark Valentine passed away. Although I think his name is not mentioned anywhere, making it an all-purpose memorial, so to speak. Yep. And until this point, I think I might still be on board. I do know that they have the memorials in the different faction headquarters. Just for they have the, the they have the yeah they have the memorial the pipes for actors and stuff for yeah. for the show. Of course, well, if you're on if you're on Romulus or Vulcan, there's the statue to Spock. Yes. I'm sure Mark Valentine's name was visible in the game when you looked down. I can't remember now. It's been a while. But I'm sure his name was visible. But now we got this costly NPC, and I'm just scratching my head. I mean, I'm terribly sorry, but what exactly are her accomplishments? Being a cosplayer who just happened to show Stone-inspired cosplay? What's next? A Midnight NPC? A Terry Lynn NPC? I'd argue that they might be more deserving, but hey, I'm probably being um, weird again. Shrug. Um, uh, speaking of that, Alex, um, quite literally, the Trek Radio, uh, Trek Radio staff, um, has an NPC on Kronos in the shipyard. Uh, there is a the one of the sh- the ship costumer on the Chrono Shipyard is called uh, David after DJ David at Trek Radio. And you've also got Helena, that same game, which is a creation of Havraha. So it's not the first time that they've put in an NPC based on something or someone. I just well, no, I I understand where he's coming from. Oh yeah, I do. Mostly because this is uh, uh, nobody would have ever heard of this girl, and would have ever paid her any attention until the word Star Trek Online was uttered from her lips. That's I'm sorry. That's it. That's the only reason this even got a ball rolling. And maybe maybe that may sound sexist to some people. I don't think so. That's literally what happened here. She had a cosplay. She was interviewed for that cosplay. She said it was Star Trek Online inspired. Then suddenly she's everywhere in Star Trek Online because people are interviewing her from Star Trek Online. And suddenly she has a Taylor character in the game. And although I do like having her hair on my Cardassian now because it shows the spoon instead of using the other hairstyles that cover it up. Yeah, I... Her hair wouldn't exist in the game. And it's not just an NPC who's named after her. They put dev time to make that hairstyle happen. So you have money to spend on stroking this person's ego. I don't even know if she wanted that. But you keep talking about bang for the buck. You sure your character artist couldn't have made something more useful instead? Like a pet bank, and charge people to add 10 more slots to the pet bank, like you did with the account bank. Or <laughs> expand the 
banks and the inventories in general. Mines is... And it's expanded as far as it will expand. And you keep throwing more stuff into the game, but meh. Like I said, you know, I, I, I wholly understand where he's coming from because nobody would know about this woman and nobody would physically have eyes on her were not the words Star Trek Online inspired uttered from her lips. I mean, in cosplay circles, yeah, sure, she'd probably still be a big thing. There are people who still don't know who the hell Alec fucking Peters is. Because, and the reason is because Star Trek and Star Trek fan films, that's our niche. That is our little corner of the market. General people aren't going to understand that stuff. I didn't even know this woman existed until, again, Star Trek Online was interviewing her saying she wore a Star Trek Online inspired costume. To which I looked at the costume and I went, I don't see how, but okay, whatever. So, carrying on. I mean, according to the interview she plays the game, couldn't you just, I don't know, ask her what kind of ship she likes to fly and give her that ship? Show her appreciation? That's fine. I don't have an issue with that. Quite the opposite. What baffles me is the implementation you chose. I still think an interview is overdoing it, especially compared to how little you seem to care about voice acting. But you just had to go that one step further. Why? Who thought this was a good idea? I just don't get it. Shrug. RP blog. Cold dishes. Okay, this blog actually ties into something that happened in the game. Even though I played that particular story arc, um, think when Legacy of Romulus launched, it's well written and seems to make sense so far. Let's see where this is going, by the way. Punny title. Tongue sticking out emoji. Well, that's because it's all about him, Tor, getting revenge. That's the basic gist of the entire blog. So, cold dishes, revenge is a dish best served cold. Lol. You can see my enthusiasm for the title drained away the moment that I realized it was Torg. Summer event ship stats. Oh, look, the first free ship featuring the temporal operative boff seat. Better late than never, I guess. Shrug. And unlike the brain ships that have a hangar... This one doesn't require the frigate event ship to unlock frigate pets, because it has frigate pets from the get-go. Interesting. No mention of a console set bonus. Hmm. Let's see if they forgot to mention that, or if the ship is supposed to be the first minor step to decrease some of the issues related to exclusivity. Edit. Bortigas said in the ship stat thread that there will be a console set bonus, but they haven't finalized it yet, and they will be added in a future patch. I got nothing to add to that. Alex added to his feedback. I'm so sorry, Tribbles. I promise I won't send the email before the show since I'm burying you in feedback already. But I have a few things to add. More feedback. Weekly live stream. There was one interesting tidbit that technically had nothing to do with the live stream itself. Well, it was interesting to me. Your mileage may vary. See, someone asked whether the person at the end of Survivor was who we think it is. And the answer was, if we based our assumption on a specific item, that particular assumption would probably be correct. And the content designer who made that episode, Kate Bankson, presumably confirmed on her Facebook page that the assumption was correct, but she has since moved on to another company. And they can neither officially confirm nor deny anything. So I did some research. Wait, 
<laughs> that sounds ominous. I simply used Google, and the first or second link answered my question. Yay, social media, but about topic. She seems to be working for Blizzard now. Then I saw another familiar name. A guy called Dan Stahl, who formerly worked for Cryptic, seems to be working for Blizzard too. We were just having this conversation this week, were we not, Stu? I wonder what Dan Stahl is doing. Angelo guy is now the CEO of... Wasn't he supposed to be working on some secret project not being CEO? No, no, that was Dan Stahl. That was way before D'Angelo. I will admit that I may not have expected that, but it makes total sense to me, and I wish the both of them good luck. Summer event. So, uh, I started getting my characters to rise to play the event. First of all, no pet storage, so no new pets for me. Sorry, art team. Like I said before... Not your fault. You guys are awesome. Second, I'm not sure what I expected, but the biathlon delivered what it promised, and it was not quite as fresh as I hoped it would be. The transition from the power board to floater feels a little clunky, but I can't put my finger on the why or how to improve it. Furthermore, the fact that the floater part is the second part, uh, the power board part, so quick-paced, especially since the speed ramps and the boosts, are still cranked up to the ludicrous speed. And then you transition over to the floaters and it just takes all the excitement and the adrenaline out of the race. It's like, don't mind me, I'm just taking the scenic route. The contrast feels rather jarring to me. Certainly doesn't help that the power board part uses the same style of track boundaries and ramps as the regular race, but the floater part uses the new Stargates, whilst flying high still uses the holographic thingies. Hey, I mentioned that earlier. Kind of wish they'd gone back and replaced them with the Stargates to make it feel more consistent. Again, it's not bad. It's just, I don't know, but it's not really pushing the right buttons for me. I I, I do want to point out that yeah, with, with something like a biathlon, yeah, your type of power board or floater can matter. Considering the higher tier of a floater you have, the faster and better handling you have, period. With the power board, it's kind of the same, but because of the ramps and boosts, you can be on a terrible power board and still get ahead of the curve. If you have a rental floater, <laughs> bye, you just made last place. Last but not least, the new gold, silver, and bronze power boards and floaters. I ran the new biathlon three times now. I managed to win one of them, even though I'm not entirely sure how that was even possible. When I went to the powerboard vendor, I noticed these new powerboards cost 1,000 favors each and have the appropriate stats. That would be fine if the 1,500 favor powerboards, the faction-specific ones in the Tarkog, and a future flyer didn't exist, but they do exist, which makes these new boards inferior. be the same issue I had with the Live Long and Prosper board. I'd like to use that one but it's just not good enough if you want to be competitive. Yes, you kind of have to be competitive or get lucky to unlock these new power boards, which in turn are actually not among the most competitive boards out there, making them rather pointless in my opinion. There are no ultra-rare 1,500 favor floaters, so the respective gold, silver, and bronze floaters are fine, but with the power boards, it's a different story. Maybe I'm missing something. What's your opinion on this one? I think I just said my opinion. 
See, it, it, with because of the boosts, you can be on a rental power board and still make first place with other people using tar cogs. Yeah. I've done it before. <laughs> I am glad to say I have actually pulled that off before and pissed a whole bunch of people off. But considering how floaters are, yeah, if you have a rental floater, you can kiss your first place in anything goodbye in the biathlon because it's not going to happen. The better floaters are simply more powerful, faster, and have a lot better handling. And there is no boost to even the odds between them. I would have liked this to have been a triathlon. I wouldn't have mind going for a run along the beach. Yeah, but, but see, then you'd have to... Blah, 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 blah. Well, it's not even that. Then you'd have to you'd have to accommodate for the fact that players can have the ice boots from the winter event. They can have the delta trait that allows them to run faster. They can have the I think it's the furious footwork trait for a ground skill. Uh, one of the ground purchases for traits or for for your leveling your character up that allows you to have a faster speed if you're wielding a melee weapon so yeah there's we've got two running races in the winter event yeah and all of those are affected by that stuff but then again you got to remember there's a running race in the winter event that's competitive that has a whole bunch of obstacles in the way windy turns zigzags chicanes have them run up run over the bridge it's just but, it, man, look, i'm just inventing stuff in the top of my head again it's it's one of those things where hey you know if you have the heads up advantage chances are you're probably going to win cool if you don't, the only thing you can really run is the power board race on Risa because at least there are power boosts along the way that give you the chance of coming in first. Otherwise, just stay away from any of that competitive crap because it's just not worth it. Go Horgon hunt. Go Horgon hunting because you want to collect bird eggs to turn into uh, Mark Mulch. Sing a song of risen birds baked in a pie. Chosen Elder Second has informed us that my poster that was signed by the devs arrived today and it looks great. Still haven't received the paradox yet. I'll let you know when I do, though. Many thanks again, Tribbles and Cryptic. Yay! We're glad you got your poster. Okay. Well, thank you all for your feedback. So, let's head over to any other business. Any other business? So, a reminder, I am almost halfway through doing 10,000 steps a day in to raise money for cancer research. Um, one of the reasons for us not broadcasting yesterday is due to the fact that doing all this and being outside has severely aggravated things like my allergies. So yesterday my head was just a complete mess. So uh, this is why we broadcasted Sunday instead of Saturday. So um, it's taken a toll, but I won't be letting that stop me. It's 
a good and well important cause. I don't think there's anyone out there that hasn't had a family member or a friend that's been been affected by it. So um, please, if you can, um, head over to fundraise.cancerresearchuk.org forward slash page forward slash Steve Roberts UK. The link will be in our show notes. Um, even a small donation helps. So my target is a grand and I'm just over halfway. So I've got a couple of weeks left or just under three. Um, so yeah, please, if you can, it would be appreciated. We're going to walk all over cancer. We're going to stomp it out. So um, yeah, my head's feeling a bit fuzzy already because uh, today I went out to um, a park in Bury St Edmunds called Nelton Park um, and I was there to support uh, my sister-in-law who was doing a five mile run um, for um, the Race for Life campaign um, so got hundreds of um, women um, who were doing either five kilometres or ten kilometre runs um, in order to also raise money for cancer research so um, so yeah, more pollen. So yeah, but uh, as I said, it is a worthwhile cause. Go ahead and donate, you guys, and spread the word if you can't donate, so that other people who can will. Please. Okay. So, uh, you guys remembered how I said that uh, we were discussing earlier this week in our in our tribbles chat uh, about. Uh, D'Angelo and Dan Stahl and Steven Ricosa and all that kind of stuff as EPs. Yeah, that got me thinking, what is Brand Flakes doing these days? So I went and looked it up, and guess what? Brand Flakes is in Dublin now. Uh, you know, in Ireland? That's yeah, cool. he, yeah, he moved there a few months ago now. Uh, He's... Owning slash co-owned slash partly run slash advertising for an arcade thing. It's like called Token something or other. I think it's an arcade. All the pictures on his Twitter said it was an arcade. Or well, I mean, all the pictures like had arcade cabinets and stuff in it. Um, I think that's part of a bar. Ah, okay. Um. But yeah, no, uh, his, one of his most recent tweets is that Brandflakes is actually going to be co-hosting radio in Ireland. So, uh, all you guys in Ireland, hey, you should be tuning in to, uh, tuning into Brandflakes in the morning, who's supposed to be doing a morning show. Is he still keeping the name Brandflakes for the morning radio show? Probably not. Uh, he's supposed to be doing a show called Good Morning Dublin on 103.2 Dublin City FM, I believe. So, hey, tune in every Wednesday from 10 to 11 a.m. and, and hear Captain Brandflakes. Tune in for your Brandflakes in the morning. Right around brunch. Okay, so I think that is it for this week. Oh, Alex has just asked in chat. I don't know what Smirk is doing, but it looks like Trendy is doing something community-related for Crystal Dynamics, um, which is the Tomb Raider guys. Um, yeah, um, Laughing Trendy does have a new job. 
Um, I haven't had a chance to catch up with her to find out what it is happening. Um, yeah. As far as as far as Smirk goes, there is a thing on the Stow Wiki that lists all the former employees and their old Twitter handles. So I found Smirks and I went to it, and amazingly enough, it hadn't been deleted like a couple of others had. In fact, uh, I think it was March of this year, kind of like a year after having made his last post, Smirk said, wow, this thing still exists? Wow, this is just the old Twitter handle. <laughs> so I don't know what he's doing, but he just recently kind of refound the the Captain Smirk Twitter handle. Yeah, well, originally it was PWE Captain Smirk, but I think it had been renamed to the Captain Smirk. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. So, I, um, I've never, I've never understood the whole "we need to put you on social media with your company tag" when you're part of a gaming industry where shooing people out the door is a common practice. I just, I, I've never understood that. Well, I think um, a lot of them will have their work account and they'll have a private account. So oh, no, I, I, I can wholly understand that, but why would you ever have a company account in the first place? Like, that isn't some kind of universal thing that can follow you. A lot of companies do that. They have representatives that um, will sometimes deal with player base or customer base and they'll have something often if there are the characters to do it will have that in the actual name as well so it's not an uncommon practice i just i just think it's i, I, I just think it's weird okay you you have a you have a social media thing where player base interaction through the social media channel is a thing okay cool so we go to the Star Trek Online Twitter. We well, don't no have different. to go. We don't have to go harass Captain Smirk and Kestrel and all of these people who have PWE in a company title, uh, an, a company issued Twitter account for well, some unknown reason. Look at reason. Thomas the Cryptic Cat and all his ship stuff and Jace's interstellar Navy stuff that he's making in his spare time. I'm guessing Maria Rosso does a similar thing with Foundry stuff as well. She can focus a lot more on projects that uh, they want to kind of look at and spotlight on their own sort of personal thing, whereas the official Twitter one is more for general game announcements. So it's, they're not having everything lobbed onto the one Twitter account well, that's and having not what, it cranking not... out billions of things a day. Well, that's it's, not it's what no, I mean. It's no different from me having my own, like, say with Twitter, I've got a personal Twitter account and I've got my gaming one, which I use for podcasting and gaming, which is my handle. It's no different to that. They but Sometimes see, they a, do a... have the same posts, but they're used for different purposes. Well, no, I understand that, but see, again, as you said, that's your gaming handle Twitter account. 
Okay, cool. I can wholly understand a person having a personal account and them having an account that they, f- that they filter whoever they're hired by through instead of having to have to have a company's title in that Twitter handle or other social media handle. Like, um, you know, Ricosa is Captain Gecko, is he not? Okay. You have Rikosa's personal Twitter account, and then you have a Captain Gecko account, not a PWE Captain Gecko. As I said, it's to do with number of characters. If you've got Captain Gecko, you're then limited with the number of characters you can have more in there and can't always fit PWE. With Twitter, you're restricted to... um, Is it 12 characters? No. Yeah, it is restricted. It's not like some of the other networks. So, yeah, as I said, ones that where it is possible, a lot of them tend to do it, but not all of them do. Thank you, Alex. I apologize. It's Rivera who's Captain Gecko, not Ricosa, because Ricosa is Salami Inferno. That's right. But I, do, I don't understand how I don't understand how character limit has anything to do with it. If you're quite literally putting a PWE underscore in front of Captain Gecko. Well, Captain Gecko is already eleven characters, and if uh, it is just twelve characters that Twitter has, I'll have to look it up at some point. Then you can't fit in PWE in there. I, well, that's. <sighs> I feel like I'm running around in circles. And well, either way, to... it makes no difference. Um, anyway, questions for this week. Question one. Um, what are your thoughts on this year's summer event in Star Trek Online? And the second question is, are you testing Star Trek Timelines beta on Steam? If so, what do you think? So, that's it for this week. If you would like to contact us, reply to any of our social media posts. Um, look out for us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Reddit, Star Trek Riser, Player.me. Um, most of those you can get us at TribblesNXTC. And you can also email us at hosts at TribblesNXTC.com. And you can also leave us a message by visiting our main blog. There's a widget on the page, or you can head over to speakpipe.com forward slash tribbles and XTC. You can catch us in syndication every Wednesday at trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net. And you can also get us on iTunes and Google Play. And it's only on Google Play if you're in North America because they still haven't rolled it out across the globe. Okay, so that's it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. So, until next week, take care, everyone. What's mine is mine and all that I have is yours. I'll catch you all later.
Thanks for tuning in to tonight's broadcast of Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Be sure to check Holosuite Media, iTunes, and Stitcher Satellite Radio for our remastered shows and more. You can follow us on Twitter at Tribbles in XTC, or if you have any questions or comments, please send an email to TribblesinExtasy at gmail.com. Join us next week for another episode of Tribbles in Ecstasy, the only place where Tribbles and Klingons are friends. Thank you.